hill. My mother prayed a blessing on me there. She was talking there to Jesus while everything was still. And I heard my mother call my name in prayer. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer. She was pouring out her heart to Jesus there. Then I gave my heart to Him, and He saved my soul from sin. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer. She was anxious for her boy to be just what he ought to be. And she asked the Lord to take him in his care. Just the word I can't remember, but I know she prayed for me. And I heard my mother call my name in prayer. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer. She was pouring out her heart to Jesus there. Then I gave my heart to him. And he saved my soul from sin. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer. Then I gave my heart to Jesus, and I'm living now for him. And someday I'll go to meet him in the air. For he heard my mother praying, and he saved my soul from sin. Yes, he heard my mother call my name in prayer. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer. She was pouring out her heart to Jesus there. Then I gave my heart to Him, and He saved my soul from sin. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer. Yes, I heard my mother call my name in prayer. Amen. Thank you. Awesome. Thank the Lord for praying mothers. Amen. We all need them, don't we? You know, I have a little, little video. It's amazing what you find on YouTube these days. Larry, you might recognize this gentleman. Well, I don't have any cash and used to whip my butt, so here's to you. Mom. It's your gift for Mother's Day, special song that I will play just for you. Mom. a boy full of laughter love and joy you taught me well those women are from hell you say daddy ain't George Clooney but old George can't build them Chevys like dad can so George he ain't a man 
birth, three different drifters, eldest boy and little sisters, none the same. Pictures, flat-faced mammals, songs and fame. Cracked the door, turned off the light, and said, I love you. Mom. You taught me to love Jesus, and you told me that he'd be my closest friend. And if I hadn't known to go to him while I had grown, well, I'd be wrong. Wouldn't be here singing you the song. Mom. I love you and I miss you, and I think about you every single day. Wish we didn't live so far away. song could go forever I could sing for you and never ever stop I'd sing for you and sing for grandma and for all the moms like you right from the top For those that don't know, that is Brian Eggers, and Brian is a son of Treasure and Tom Eggers. Treasure's in the back. Stand up, Tom and Treasure. Yeah. Amen. That was awesome. And Tom and Treasure, you guys have just fit in, and it's just been nice to have you guys home. So, amen. It's just great to have you guys. Never seen Tom cry before. It's awesome. Well, as I said before, happy Mother's Day. And uh, so obviously on a Mother's Day, we're going to talk about fathers. <laughs> and that won't last long because fathers, we're just donors. <laughs> so let's talk about who's really important, mothers. <laughs> but we want, we want to celebrate moms today. We want to say thank you so much, moms, for being who you are and who you continue to be in our lives. Uh, dads, we come and do our deal, and moms take care of all the, take care of all the pick up all the messes. And, um, but, you know, um, I know that we're all very, very different people here this morning. We all have very different personalities and different needs and, and don't have maybe a lot in common, but we have this in common. We all have a mother. We all have a mother. And probably I would venture to say that that mother loved you more than anyone else in the world. And that's an amazing thing to think that a mom could love us so much. Mothers are more than just the producers of life. But they are the sources of continuous nurturing all through our ages. I don't think you ever outgrow the love of a mother. And I wish my mom was here today, but she's down in Grand Rapids with my sister. I have to, we have to share her a little bit. 
Um, so she's down with Stacy and, uh, and uh, some of her other family down there. But uh, <clears throat> we love our mom, and we love our moms, and we love our wives who become really, really good moms to our children. And so we just want to really thank you, moms, for being who you are and being godly and for praying for us like the song said. And uh, it's just really good. So this morning I want to speak about the mother's love for a child that God gives us. And it's a powerful love. The, the love that God gives mothers is very powerful. And I'd like to talk about it in three aspects. A mother's love protects, a mother's love provides, and a mother's love promotes. And we want to talk about how the, the love of a mother is all three of those. And at the end, we're going to kind of talk about it, how that is typical of also how God loves us in, in a typical manner. Uh, first of all, for those have, that have um, mothers that have recently passed away, I, I know that any holiday like this can be hard on people. So I want you to know that we're thinking of you. In fact, let's just take a minute and let's just pray. For all those that have lost a mom and moms are really dear to them. Dear Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for mothers. Lord, I just pray right now that you would go to the hearts that are grieving for a lost mom. Maybe that have just recently been gone or maybe been gone for a few years and we still miss her. We still miss her. And Father, if she was one of those praying moms, I can pretty much be assured that she's still praying for me from heaven. She is still praying with me for me. She's with you at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Just like you're making intercession for the saints, so is mom. And I thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you would just go to the hearts of, our, of your people, of your children today, and just minister to the hearts of those that are missing mom today. And I pray that you would just honor them and give them your comfort and give them your peace because it's not going to be long and we're all going to be together again. We thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen. The mother's love protects. We've all heard the stories of a, of a hiker walking down some lonely trail out in the middle of nowhere, minding their own business, just enjoying life, enjoying the trees, enjoying all the natural wonders, only to come across a mother bear and her bear cub. Not a good thing to happen. Not a good place to be all of a sudden. Getting between a mother bear and her bear cub is probably one of the worst places ever to be. A mother bear will attack anything, anything, including the biggest grizzly bear out there, if there's any threat to her cub. That is the instinct of motherhood, that a mother bear will do anything to protect her cub. And it doesn't make any difference if you look to her and say, I'm not trying to hurt your cub, mother bear. I'm just trying to mind my own business walking down this trail enjoying the beautiful weather and the beautiful trees and, and your cub's over there and I'm not going to touch her. You know what? Mother bears don't ask questions before they attack. They just attack and then ask questions later. That's the, that's the love of a mother trying to protect her cub. It's a natural instinct since the mothers just want to protect the well-being of their children, don't they? And that's a good thing. Because who else is going to in many cases? Thank the Lord for a mother that protects her children. 
Sometimes they will even do that even to the, to the hurt of themselves. Some mothers and animal mothers will give their life to save their child. You know, um, when I used to mow the grass over here at the factory when I was a kid, the hospitals used to own it, and I used to mow the grass. It was like, kind of like painting the Mackinac Bridge. It was such a big piece of property that I would mow it and get done on Friday and have to start over again on Monday because it just keeps mowing it, just perpetual mowing over there. But, you know, quite often I would run across killdares, the bird, the killdare bird, and I knew when the nest, I was close to the nest because the mother would all of a sudden run with a broken wing and trying to distract me and the mower from her nest. And so whenever I saw a mother killdare doing that, I would, always, I would stop the tractor right away because I didn't want to run over the nest. And then I would look for the babies. And uh, sure enough, if I looked hard enough, I could see the little babies scurrying around. And the mother's over here trying to get me to, trying to pull my attention over here because she would sacrifice herself so, she, so that she could save her, her baby chicks. And that's just the, that's the beautiful love of a mother. And mothers do that. A mother love also provides. A mother is the provider of life to the child. From the moment of inception, as soon as that, that baby starts to develop inside that mother's womb, she is automatically providing life. She's pumping life into that newborn baby, unborn baby, that, that fetus that is still developing in her body. And that mother's body is sustaining life. And, and all, there's a, there is an instantaneous bond between a mother and a child that they really don't even know about yet. The mother doesn't appreciate that yet. The baby doesn't appreciate it for sure. But yet there is a bonding place taking place here that no one else in the world shares with those two people. Beautiful story, beautiful example of how we can bond in Christ the same way, how when we are born into the kingdom, that Jesus connects his umbilical cord of love to us. And he starts pumping his love into us as a newborn baby Christian, just like that new uh, unborn baby, that developing baby is being fed the nutrients by the mother. And dads, unfortunately, we don't get it. Again, we're just a donor here. We're on the outside looking in most of the time in life and trying to see what's going on, not understanding why moms cry all the time or why they're so protective or why they just have such a hard time letting go of their children when they go to college or whatever they're doing. And dads are sitting by and saying, what's the big deal? We're going to see them in three weeks. Well, moms just have a little different relationship. And that's a good thing. The fact that the mother provides a life in the beginning isn't lost over the years that follow. Because a mother is a provider of all many, many, many other key factors in life thereafter that. And I know that there are many single parents here today that moms aren't in their lives of their children or fathers aren't in the lives of the children. And I'm trying to be sensitive to that as well. I just, I'm sure that if you asked any one of those single parents that are doing a great job being mom and dad, I know that they would be the first one to say that they can't replace mom or dad. That is, there's just a place for moms to be in every life. And uh, so for those single parents that are doing their best, we're behind you. We're supporting you. We're lifting you up. We're going to do everything we can to help uh, support that area and to be that mother or that be that father influence. So uh, we just want to know, we want you to know we're praying for you as well and that we have um, you in our hearts. Mother's love also promotes. Who promotes their children more than mothers? No one. <laughs> no one will promote their child more than others. Mothers are the ultimate promoters of their children. 
There's just something about moms that just see their children being the best, the cutest, the smartest, most intelligent, the most socially acceptable people. Um, no matter what the child is, moms just see their children as perfect. Don't you, moms? I wish my mom was here right now because she'd be saying yes. <laughs> How many times have you heard famous athletes yell into the TV camera, Hi, Mom! They don't say, Hi, Dad. No, they say, Hey, Mom! Why is that? Zach, why are you always hollering at your mom from the stands when she's up there? <laughs> she yells yelling at your dad. But you know, there is just something about mom's ability to brag up a child and to think so highly of a child. Uh, and that's really, that's really cool. That's really awesome that they do that. And, and um, you know, there's also moms just have that ability to overlook some of the flaws that we have. In fact, you've heard it said that maybe there are some in, that would, you've heard it said that, uh, about some folks that they have a face that only a mother could love. <laughs> I hate to be that person when I, if they were talking about me that way, but thank the Lord my mom would still love me regardless of what happens there or um, whatever. But it's just nice to know that we have moms out here that think we're awesome and that think that we're really good and that we have, we're, we have significance. And, and we know when moms get together with other moms, what do they talk about? What do moms talk about? Moms, what do you talk about when you get together with other moms? Tell me. Kids. Yeah. Don't talk about your husbands, at least not bad, but your kids. The conversation typically goes around kids. Where on the other hand, when, when men get together, when dads get together, dads, what do you talk about? Tell me. What is it? Chevy trucks. Chevy trucks. <laughs> we talk about our careers. We talk about our jobs. We talk about the weather. We talk about our hobbies. And maybe somewhere somebody might say, well, do you have a family? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've got a, some kids too. But let's go back to the golf course. You know, dads, we just don't think about our kids as much as, we, as moms do. Moms just have a, a way of thinking about mom, their children all the time, and that's really awesome that we have somebody that's such a supporter of us. But, you know, I've got to tell you, I want to just take a little sidebar here because, you know, unfortunately, the, the love of mothers is not always looked upon in our society like it used to be or like it should be. Unfortunately, our society today... There's a lot of pressures against moms, against godly moms. It used to be very normal for moms to stay at home with their children. It was very fashionable and honorable for a mom to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, Mrs. Cunningham or, you know, Mrs. Cleaver, you know, back in the 60s. And, and that was an honorable profession. But all of a sudden, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, over time, it has been kind of frowned upon if a mother or if a wife or if a woman decides to stay at home with their children. And um, society says, well, what are you going to do with your life? That's not very significant. Why would you want to waste your career? Why would you want to waste your college education staying home with your parent or with your, with your child? Well, can I just say, can I offer this up, that there is no better job, no better, better mission in life than for moms to be the major, the major nurturers of their children. If you have the ability, moms, it is the most important job you can do is to be a mom to your parent, to your children. Stay home with them when you can, if you can. And I, um, I would applaud that, and I would encourage that for the 
younger ladies here or maybe younger families, if you have the ability to work that out, I would strongly encourage you to try to work that out somehow. If you have two incomes, do the smart thing. Live on one income so that when it's time for bare children, you can put one income away and just be home with your children. What a great thing. And you will never regret that. You will never find that to be wasted time because your, they, your children will, call, will rise up to call you blessed one day because you sacrificed for them. You put your career on, the, on, on hold for them for a bit. And you did the thing that would make them to be um, the best that they possibly could be because no, nobody can do as good a job as mom with kids. And, uh, and I know that there are those that maybe just don't have the ability to do that. And so we're not condemning you. We're not criticizing you for that. We're still lifting you up. And we want to pray for you. That we want to pray for your families. Um, but if you have opportunity, uh, I just want you to know that you do the right thing when you do the godly thing. And I believe God has established moms and dads to be parents together of their children, with moms being the major caregiver and dads being the major breadwinner. And I know that sounds very old-fashioned. Um, and I don't want to apologize for that. Uh, but it's really nice to have a coordinated impact at home where two godly parents work together. So um, honor God with that, and he will honor you as well. Now let's go back to the three major points of protecting, providing, and promoting. Um, how does the love of a mother for her children, how does that relate to the love of God towards us as his children? Is there any correlation there, do you see? Well, to answer that, I think let's go back and take a look at what love is and what is the purpose of love, the way the Bible defines love. First of all, where does love come from? Where is it, where is it originated from? 1 John chapter 4, verse, verses 7 and 8 tells us that love is from God and love is God. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is the originator. He is the source of love. What is love? What is the purpose of love? Tell me, tell me some answers. Shout some answers out here this morning. What is the purpose of love? Give me some answers. If someone came to you and said, what's the purpose of love, what would you tell them? Go ahead, Michael. What would you tell them? Okay, loving one another. God's all about love. All about loving one another. Any other words that come to your mind? Unitus, okay. So that we would be united. We'd have fellowship together. Love is uh, companionship, enjoyment, partnership, sustenance, procreation, a person to share life with. Yeah, love has a lot of different facets to it. First Corinthians chapter thirteen tells us the ultimate definition of love. It tells us in verse 13, beginning of verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, 
It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. Love is one of those powerful things that always has the other person's interest in mind. It never, go, it never comes with an agenda. It never comes with a motive to hurt anyone if true love always promotes the other person. And that's exactly what God's love is for us. God's love is pure, it's perfect, with the intention of providing everything we need to live in this world. It is an unconditional love with no respecter of persons. God does not love you or me more than anyone else. But you know, if we're going to really understand God's love, we need to know what it means to receive God's love, right? We need to be able to receive and reflect it back to Him. Like we talked about this morning, how God loves us so much that, that sometimes we, in our busyness of life, we're running so fast that we're running away from the love of God. And sometimes God is saying, stop and turn around and look at me in the face and tell me you love me back. That's what motivates the heart of God. It's not your need. It's not, the, it's not the great travesties of this world that motivate God. What motivates God is when people turn around and say, Jesus, I love you. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for being my promoter. That motivates the heart of God. Because God's love. And when, when, we, when we worship the Lord in that spirit of love, he understands it. He reflects it back to us even more. It multiplies. So a person that, until we've accepted that love of God, we're really not in relationship with God. And I know this is a po not a real popular topic either because until we become a child of God, we're an enemy of God. We're told that in God's word that in Colossians it says, once you, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That there has, to be a, there has to be a process, a transaction of that love, that unconditional love for God. Because in Romans 8, it says that for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Where the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now if we're his children, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That there is a relationship that is formed with those that would turn around and say, Jesus, forgive me. I receive your, your forgiveness. I want to come into your family. And he says, I've been waiting for you to say that all eternity. I love you back and come on into the family. We're family now. And now God looks at us. And now we truly can be the same relationship with God as I'm in relationship with my mother. I am a family. And so now as my mother is my protector and my provider and my promoter, now God can be my protector, my provider, and my promoter, just like my mother is. Because why? Because I'm in family with God. God loves all people. He loves all creation. But when, it's not until I become a child of his, can he really be my protector? Can he really be my provider? Can he really be my promoter? Only when I'm in relationship with him as a child is in relationship with his mother can God really be all three to me and to you. So now that we have that, is God our protector? Is he? 
Psalms chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my place of safety. He is my God, the rock I run to for protection. He is my shield. By his power I am saved. He is my hiding place in the hills. That's who God is now. He's your protector because he's your father, because you're his son. Psalm 118, verse 30. God's ways are perfect. The Lord's promise always proves to be true. He protects those who trust in him. He protects those who trust in him. Listen to that. God protects those who trust in him. Trust is something you can't see sometimes. Trust is, is believing in God when things are dark, when things are dismal, when you don't have money in the bank, when your kids are sick, or maybe you've lost someone. When you trust in God, he protects you. It's a promise. 1 Peter chapter 5, or I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 5. God's power protects you through your faith, and it keeps you safe until your salvation come. The salvation is ready to be given to you at the end of time. Through all of life's goings and comings and difficulties, God is protecting you until your salvation is, is perfectly come at the end of your life. At the end of time, the rapture or your personal rapture, God is there protecting you as his child throughout all of the stuff of life. You're never alone. You're never left to deal with life on your own again. Once you become a child of God, he's always there to protect you. He's always there to make sure that nothing is going to harm you that is going to take you out of his hands. That's a promise. That is something that we can stand firm in and know that there is nothing so bad that's ever going to happen to us that's going to take us out of the hand of God. Amen. God provides for his children. Scripture is full of that assurance. Luke chapter 12, verse 24. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? That's our God. He's our provider. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are, who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants you to be happy. He wants you to enjoy life, and he'll provide the things that will give you enjoyment as you perfectly trust him and not all of a sudden get a little bit and then think that you did it. No, no, we continue to trust in God. And when I trust in him, he continues to pour out more blessings because he wants me to be happy. He really does. Can you believe that? God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to enjoy it all. Philippians chapter 4, 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory of, Christ, in the glory of Jesus Christ. God will supply every need. I wish it would say God would provide every want. Wouldn't it be nice if God said, I will supply every want? But he doesn't do that. Why? Because he knows what we need better than what we do. My wants might cause me to fall away from God. But when God provides my needs and when I'm, when I'm willing to trust him for my needs, it forces me sometimes when times aren't good because times aren't always good, even though God wants you to be happy, he loves you enough knowing but he also knows that your happiness isn't his primary motive. His, what his primary motive is, is to get you to love him more. 
And sometimes things happen in your life that might take your temporary happiness away and put you in a time of digging into him so that he will provide your needs, and with that comes his fulfillment. Psalms 84.11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Walking uprightly, walking in the service of God, walking to be pleasing to your Father, he will withhold nothing to you as you are walking uprightly. It's a promise. God also promotes his children, just like a mother promotes her children. But when God does it, he has the power and the authority to make that promotion eternal. He doesn't just do it for the momentary. Psalm 30, verse 5, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Psalm 37, 23 through 24, The Lord makes, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Yeah, I don't need to be perfect. I, I can't be perfect. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fall. But when I have in my heart that I want to delight in God, when my desire is to, to delight in Jesus, and when I do fall, he will be there to pick me up. And he will be there to dust me off and say, I still love you, man. I know. I know you messed up a little bit. But it's okay. I know your heart. I know the desire of your heart. Your heart delights in me. Therefore, I got you. I got you. The Lord upholds us with his hand. Whereas the devil, on the other hand, the devil does everything he can to take what the Lord promises to deceive us into thinking that we're something that we're not. The devil will may even give us or allow some, some things in our life that would be blessings that might bring a level of deception into my life with a blessing, but that doesn't last forever. In the same chapter of Psalm 37, we just read Psalms 23 through and 24, it talks about how the Lord makes firm the steps of the righteous, okay? Now, just a few verses down, 10 verses down in, in verse 34, the psalmist comes back with what the enemy does, and this is, God's, this is God's answer to what the enemy does. Starting at verse 34, Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree. Now, what does that mean? It means that the, it means that the sinful person can have lots of money. It means that the wicked person may be very successful in life. They may be my boss. They may be the president of the company. In fact, they might even own the company. Well, wait. God, but I'm a tither. God, I'm faithful. And there's wicked people making more money than I have. They got bigger homes than I got. They got bigger toys than I got. God, I thought you wanted to bless me for my enjoyment. I thought you wanted to give me every, all my ever needs. He is. I'm just not giving you your wants. Let's read on. What does he say? Verse 36, he says, The wicked and ruthless man, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. A future awaits those who seek peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. 
The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So therefore, if you and I today are tempted to look at Joe Blow down the street who has more money but not living for Jesus, there's going to come a day where you're not going to find him anymore. He's going to pass away like a, like a wildflower. But you, on the other hand, if, you have, if you're delighting in the Lord and trusting God for every one of your needs, believe me, the Lord has eternally positioned you to be blessed forever and ever and ever without a need that he can't take care of eternally. What do you want? Do you want temporary pleasures or do you want eternal pleasures? It's your choice. It's our choice. Now here's the part that I know that none of us like it when it comes to the, having the true love of a mother. But we talked about mothers protecting, mothers providing, mothers promoting, but mothers also discipline. True love requires a level of discipline. True? In God's love and desire to help us grow and mature in our Christ-likeness, he also acts like a loving mother. And because of his great and enduring love for us, he disciplines us as well in order to make us into what he wants us to be. And unfortunately, in our society today, the word discipline is missing in many homes, in many households. The word discipline is not equated with love. Love is equated with, I'll give you everything you want. Discipline is, says, I'll give you what's best for you. It may not be so good right now, but it's what's best for you long term. Let me give you a couple examples. Maybe you can help me with this one, because I am a bus driver here. And... Uh, Let's, let, let, me, let me run through a scenario with you here for a minute about what is true love and what is true discipline. But let's say I have a little Johnny, a little boy named Johnny, and he's misbehaving. By the way, his, his name is not Johnny. But he's misbehaving on the school bus. And the bus driver sends home a note. What should the mother do? Three choices. Number A, do nothing. B, call the school bus driver and tell him that her little Johnny never misbehaves. And, he's, and you're obviously confused with another boy in the bus. Or C, sign the note, send it back, call the bus driver and ask for more details or then take the necessary disciplinary actions at home so that this doesn't happen again. What's the right choice? Yeah, unfortunately, what happens more? B. <laughs> A or B. <laughs> Typically, nothing happens or they will call and say, oh, my Johnny doesn't misbehave. You must be confused. What happens if Johnny gets into a playground fight with Billy and they get called into the principal's office and determine that Johnny needs to stay after school in detention? What should the mother's reaction be? A, do nothing. B, tell the principal that little Johnny never gets in fights and she will be there after school to pick him up. Or C, give the principal full authority to discipline Johnny as appropriate and then finish the process at home. What's the right answer? What typically happens? A or B. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now little Johnny has a driver's license now, and he's driving the family car, and he gets a little careless and speeds. He gets pulled over by a police officer and given a ticket. Now mom knows that there's an officer, Scott. And because they are friends, she could go to him and get little Johnny out of the ticket. What should she do? A. Call Officer Scott and work out a deal with him so that Johnny gets out of the ticket. B, <laughs> let Johnny get the ticket, but she pays the fine. Or C, do nothing, 
do nothing and let Johnny deal with the legal system that is set up to protect him from himself. C. Absolutely. There's sometimes we do something and sometimes we don't do something. But many times we get confused in our love for our children and sometimes we get between the hammer and the anvil of what God is trying to do in our child's life. Understand that God loves your child more than you do, Mom. As much as you love them, God loves them more. And many times we want to help God out here. And God is trying to say, listen, let your child deal with the little circumstances, with the little consequences early on in life. The, the bus driver, you get a note home from him, it's a great learning opportunity to teach your child consequences. Let him deal with it. Or he gets called in the principal's office, let him sit there a while, let him sweat it out. Let him stay in detention for a while and think about it. Because if we allow the little child, the little Johnny, to go through some of those things when he's young, maybe when he gets older, maybe he'll think twice before he thinks, oh, mom or dad's going to come bail me out of this one again. Because if we don't let them make the small mistakes, and if their first mistakes are the big ones in life, are we helping or hurting them? We need to let them have the small consequences. We need to let them get a little bit of their own anxieties when they're young that are manageable. We need to watch over them and protect them in that process of them getting into trouble on their own and then getting out of it on their own. Jesus talks about, or God talks about discipline. He disciplines those that he loves. Hebrews chapter 12 is a great chapter on discipline. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he, he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? And then he goes on, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. It's supposed to be painful. <laughs> it's not supposed to be fun. Otherwise, it wouldn't be discipline. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. We need to thank our mothers for discipline. We need to thank our mothers. Like Brian said, I'm out of cash, and Mom used to beat me on my butt. You know, that's good. We need to thank you. Treasure, thanks for spanking him when he needed it. I'm sure he needed it, didn't he? probably. That's good. We need to thank our mothers for the discipline in our lives because they've made us upright people today. Jackie, could you come please and help me? But truly, maybe part of the hardest thing we have for moms and dads is learning when and how to release our children into the hands of God. We love our parents, we love our children so much. Maybe the hardest thing is, is knowing when it's time to stop being that over-parenting process of over-protecting, over-providing, over-promoting. Because you know what? You can over-promote, you can over-protect, and you can over-provide. Unfortunately, most weaknesses are a result of your strengths. And by over-protecting, over-providing, and over-promoting, you're ultimately... Whoa! I guess, I guess I wasn't supposed to say that. Would you like to discipline me? <laughs> no, because you're bigger than I am and your son's even bigger than you. A, B, or C. And all of a sudden my back's getting real tight. <laughs> but 
the hardest thing for us as parents is the learning to release our children into God's hands. I have older children now. My youngest is 21. My oldest is 30. I have two little granddaughters and maybe more in the way. And, uh, you know, it's time for me to release my children to be adults. Now, what does that mean when I release my child to be an adult? It means I keep praying for him. It means I keep praying for him. It means I have to let them make up their own decisions now. As much, I, as much as I would like to, and by the way, I am a full proponent of arranged marriages. I think it would be awesome if we could pick our, our children's spouses because I think we could do a really, really good job. They may not be, be, they might not be the best looking kid, but, I, <laughs> but they're going to be a good kid. I've tried it with my children and my kids and they're telling me to trust them. So I'm going to. Proverbs 22.6 Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. We pray for our kids. We pray for them. But we stop protecting. We stop providing in some cases. We stop promoting in some cases. We have to let them walk the path on their own because God now is in charge. It's God's plan. And many times we do get between the hammer and the anvil on this one. But we don't want to let our children get hurt so we think it's our job to stop that and God's saying, will you just trust me with this? Will you trust me with your child? I have them if you just leave them alone a little bit, moms and dads. Trust me. You pray, you dig in, you fast, you read the word, you, go, you claim my promises right there. You, you did your job, you trained him up as a child, and now trust me that I will bring him back in line. That's what we do. That's what we do. For those younger mothers out here, for younger parents, Galatians 6, 9 through 10, Let us not become weary in good doing, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not become weary in child-rearing. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So this morning, I want to take the next couple minutes and just, I want to pray for the moms of our congregation. And I would like us all to be a participant in this. And so could we have all the moms come up to the front? Of all ages, moms, grandmas, young parents, young moms. Can we just have all the moms come up and could we just gather around them, children and dads, and could we just pray for them and ask God to bless them? Ask God to give them the, the grace and the strength to trust him with their, with their children. As the moms come, would everyone else just come and gather around them and support them? Go to your mother if she's here. Or adopt a mother. Come on in tight, please, if you would. Let's just come in tighter. Amen. Moms, we want you to know we love you so much. 
you're so important to us. And we just want you to know that we thank you for all the things you've done. And we thank you for your continued prayers. Father in heaven, you've established the home perfectly. You've established mothers. You've given them the love to protect and to provide and to promote. And you've, you've given them the heart to discipline. And I pray, Father, that you would just bless every mother here this morning, every mother, grandmother that has worked hard, done the right things, and maybe even made a few mistakes along the way. But God, we trust you with our children today. We trust you with them. And we just ask, God, that you would just be merciful and great in our children's lives. Lord, we pray for our mothers. We pray, Lord, that you will just give them comfort. Lord, for the mothers in our community today that have lost children. Father, our heart goes out. We're just praying that you would just bring comfort into those mothers' hearts today. Father, fill that hole. Fill that vacuum. Help them to turn to you to fill it. Help, help them to realize they can't find it anywhere else in this world. There's nothing in this world that re, re, will replace that child. The only thing that would even come close is you, Jesus. So I pray, God, that you would just make yourself real to them, make yourself known to them, and hug them and embrace them. We pray, Father, that for the moms of our assembly here, we pray, God, for the young ladies that want to be moms someday. I pray, God, that you protect their hearts. I pray, God, that you just give them righteousness and holiness and conviction in their life to do the right things until that time happens. Protect them from the society. Protect them from the peer pressures of society. And, God, we just pray that you would just honor and be honored in our families. We worship you, we love you, and we thank you for moms. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, Mike and Dick, would you grab, because you, because you were the first ones out, see, that's what you have when you go out first, would you grab those two baskets right there, and ladies, would you make sure that you pick up a little gift from Michael and Dick as you go by? We have a little Mother's Day gift for you guys. Thank you for being part of our assembly. Thank you for visiting with us. We love you very much. Be blessed today.